Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making, the complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we got a guest for y'all today that you may or may not have heard of. She's our favorite guest. I think our only repeat guest. She she is our only repeat. She is a three-peater now. Three-peat. I'm a repeat offender. You are a three yeah, no, people in the, in the podcast world. Yeah. And it's y'all, it's Miss Kelly Jennings. It's KJ me. in the flesh. KJ. Hi. Last time uh, I uh, said Kelly Jennings, the whole roof blew off of the Southeastern right. Livingston Center. Right. I think they're still roofing right. it up there. Uh, uh, two nights in a row. Yeah, I know. And, uh, and Superstar. y'all may not know. If you don't know, you got to check it out. And we're going to be honored to be the guest on kelly's podcast unspeakable 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 you're gonna talk about a female woody overton nail some shit down (laughs) holy shit hey i mean what i love about it kelly is uh, first of all hi kelly hey Uh, (laughs) what i love about it is is you get down to the nut cutting right yeah And, and you're not afraid so no we can't be afraid you cannot be afraid justice Listen, evil cannot win when the good are unafraid. Evil only prevails when good people do nothing. That's right. Right. Somebody said that. Uh, they, they said good men, but yeah, Kelly's definitely not a man. No, no. So I'm a, good, I'm but a she's good, man. But she's good people. She's, yeah. a, she's all woman. I try, to, I try to do the right thing and be a good person, but damn it, I've had enough of the people doing the wrong thing. Right. And so. <laughs> and, and you've seen this. And y'all, Kelly's career is long and storied, but. Working at Louisiana State Penitentiary as a classification officer, as a young, attractive female, is is stories in itself. Yes, and y'all have heard some of them. A young, uh, extremely attractive, right? Female hey, who drove shout a shout out convert- to her husband, Dear right? God, <laughs> who drove a convertible. Hey, yeah. I did. I had me a little two seater convertible. Yeah, I was yeah. riding around like I thought I was somebody. I had no clue what the hell I was in the middle of. Looking back on it, holy crap! And, girl. and I want to make it official. For you, all you guys out there, Kelly is off the charts. The Not charts. charts. She's off limits. She's, she's in married love with to Blake. Her, hey, 
married to a great guy, but like with blue Aww. eyes, with his pretty blue eyes, with blue and, eyes, and super cool dude. He is, yeah. and we love, we love our Blakey. Which Blake our is Blakey. <laughs> is like sending for me because he backs you a thousand percent. Oh, we're waiting oh, yeah. for Jim, right? Backs yeah. us a thousand percent on the crazy shit we do. Yeah, and aren't we lucky though? Like really, blessed. not yeah. yeah, beyond lucky. Blessed is right because. My sweetheart, y'all. He just. Did you remember this? Do you have? Because I'm a hot mess, like oh, you would. <laughs> and if he's it, the one who kind of keeps me. If it wasn't for Cindy, I could. Jim, uh, I could. I shit. I couldn't. I saw, I'm like they're talking all the business shit. I'm like, just <laughs> let me get behind the microphone. I'm close my eyes, going. Oh, I gosh. Look, Blake the other day was on Facebook. Jim wants to talk about contracts again. <laughs> yeah, look, and, and Blake's on the computer, and he's like, "Look, we can look at these insights on the." I said, "Whoa, whoa, partner. Like, yeah, yeah that ain't me. That's, that's <laughs> I can't outside do that. my wheelhouse." <laughs> Yeah, print it up if, if you yep. need to see it. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for being here. I'm excited. Hey, and y'all check out Unspeakable. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. It's some it's some good shit, and we are going to be honored to be on your show. Yeah, I, look, Absolutely. it's good to have friends, right? Yes, yeah, is. Unspeakable, a true crime podcast by Kelly Jennings. But if you you know on any platform, it's on every right. major platform. If you just put in Unspeakable and then Kelly Jennings, you should be able to see the little image pop up. Yeah, and you can get anywhere in the world. You can download a podcast, and um, she even go, has her own website, unspeakablethepodcast.com. Yes, uh, and so go listen, like, share, subscribe. And if you would leave a review, a good review, if I might add. No, no, I don't, you leave really, me, I don't care if they if leave you me leave me star. a shit review, then that ain't even nice. I hadn't even no, said anything no, no, yet. No, 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 <laughs> Kelly. I got to tell you my, uh, and I got a shit review this week. Uh, uh, <gasps> What'd you do? Um, I think it was more. No, of a but week. I don't care if, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't care if you get a one star. You know why? If I fucked up your day so bad that you took the time out to actually Mission go leave me a one star, then I'm doing something right. <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, y'all, Miss Kelly Jennings, <laughs> bloody angle. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, I'll start it off, and today's episode is going to be about a case that took place many years ago. You might be familiar with Barry Seal. And if you're not familiar with Barry Seal, you may be familiar with Tom Cruise, who played right. Barry Seal in a movie recently. Uh, but Barry Seal was an airplane pilot. He flew small engine aircraft primarily, also flew in the military, and was really good at it. One thing he was really good at was landing at small airports. Or jungle airstrips. <laughs> jungle, <laughs> or jungle airstrips. And so uh, it was these skills that got the interest of a, co- a large cocaine dealer at that time, and his name was Pablo Escobar. The largest in the world. Largest in the world. Billions and billions of dollars. Matter of fact, at one point, he was on the Forbes top 20 richest people. He also was the OG of starting cartels. Yes. Yes. And he had these. Was it the Sinaloa cartel? Sinaloa and... Um, Medellin? Uh, no, he had, no, he he had, had the, the Medellin. Yeah. Sinaloa was it, the, the competition. Yeah. yeah. So he had the Medellin cartel, and they were in need of uh, airplane pilots to fly cocaine back and forth between Colombia and the United States, and Barry Seal fit the bill. So we're going to fast forward a lot, but over the years, he started doing dealings with Pablo Escobar. He would get like 50 grand. They'd just load his plane up, 
and he would land it in in a you know sometimes in the swamps of Louisiana because he was right. from Louisiana, right. and uh, they would pay him fifty grand. Then it became a hundred grand. Then it, you know it was all based off weight. And then right, they started ripping everything out of the airplane <laughs> once they realized, hey, this seat weighs as much as a kilo. We'll yeah. rip it out, baby. Yep. But he also has some government affiliation, the Central Intelligence Agency and, and all that. So, I mean, That's there's right. a reason he got introduced to the people in South America, and I believe it was during the uh, Iran-Contra scandal, exactly scandal right. and all that. So his story is long and deep. Um, but today we're going to give you some – inside on uh, that you don't know, that I didn't know. That's right. So the end of the end for him, uh, he eventually was caught. He was sentenced to uh, community service while awaiting trial, which his community service was at the Salvation Army in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was during this community service that Pablo Escobar's uh, henchmen found him. And shot him like eighty times. Oh, they shot the shit out of him. That was February nineteenth, nineteen eighty six, when he was forty six years old. And I was sixteen. Yeah. And I was in, almost two. In that building, I used to go there all <laughs> the time uh, to drop stuff off, to get tax write offs from my dad, you know, donations. But also, when I was at state police, I used, I used to turn and, and go that back way to state police headquarters. Right there, they gunned him down. Made him hamburger meat. Yeah, basically. I tell you what, you do something bad enough that the cartel comes to find you yeah. and blow you away. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, fast forward to a trial for the the folks that did it. They got found guilty and were sentenced to Angola, and that's where our story kind of starts today because our guest, Miss Kelly Jennings, has some pretty good information on. Well, shout out if the cartel's listening. I don't have any yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any information of any value. Yeah, about y'all. As a matter of fact, if you're in a cartel, yeah. turn this off Yeah, now. if you're with the cartel, um, no, thank you. But uh, no. So, yeah, I, like I said, I was uh, really young when this occurred. I think I was two when he was shot. So I didn't know anything about this. And I was, you know, in my 20, early 20s when I rolled up at Angola. So to even think I had a thought about me. Right. Uh, when I would come in contact with him was is almost kind of silly to me. He just kind of blended in with the rest of them. But uh, I moved all around the the prison, right? I was at, at different camps. I know y'all did an episode on Camp J, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's kind of crazy about that. I was at Camp J for one week. And they, t- they moved you yeah. and I t- for Yeah, and they moved me. Reasons. And um, so that ski mask rapist, that's a pretty uh interesting story too but anyway so they moved me back to camp d and that's where i was whenever i uh had interactions with him now when you sorry with whom oh with well formal name bernardo antonio vasquez now i don't know why but for some reason i I think i might have called him emilio and that's not his name but but i mean i called jim (laughs) jimothy i don't know he never he never corrected me on it so but anyway so um maybe he told me antonio and i heard emilio and it just kind of whatever i made it up so but he was a very unassuming guy to consider what he did uh never would have guessed it yeah but there's about 5500 
other ones in there you probably never would have guessed. That's right? true. I, I mean, some of them, yeah. I was just flat. I don't know why, but do y'all run, whoever's listening out there, do you like hear a story and immediately jump on your phone and research oh, yeah. what they look like? Google. And yeah. you're determining right then, did they do it based off your right. picture? Right. I don't know. I figured a you know badass murderer for the cartel wouldn't have looked like him. Right. But he was... Um, Remember how tall he was? He was taller than me, and I remember he had kind of a really long head, like a like top to bottom. His head was really long. Huh. Uh, Derek Todd Lee did too, by the way. Shout out, uh-huh. long-headed people. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he had a really long head, and he had little glasses that he wore, and he was bald, and you could tell he was Hispanic. But um, and he had a very thick Hispanic accent when you spoke to him. Now I had dealings with him, just you know on daily basis, just doing paperwork or whatever. I didn't see him every day, but there's one story that sticks out. And had I known what I was looking at, oh man, to go back and to say, I want to buy it. But, but he was working in, we have hobby craft shops. Okay. At Angola. So whether you agree with it or not, they have hobby crafts so that they can go in and they can build things, make crafts. They sell them at Angola. Yep. It's kind if, of their commerce. If it, that, goes back to the whole hope thing or giving something to do if yeah. they're if they're building doing hobbies then they're not raping and killing each other right idle hands are the devil's or work, killing crush you know, workshop right. right and so they worked in those hobby shops and so i would have to go in there and you know handle my business no matter where they were and the hobby shop was part of it so and her business y'all was uh helping inmates with, with different things. Right. So a lot of like legal work, getting in right. and out. No, um, I say notary, but it was internal notary. I was not a notary. I'm not a notary on the street. Um, passing out things called, you know, dispositions or outcomes for things that they requested or if they changed their visitation list. A lot of clerical, but a very important job to the inmates, I promise oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you're is. getting work done for them. Right. You know. And um, so I walked into the hobby shop and I had been seeing him, you know, in and out working on this painting. Wow, what a talented artist. Wow. Very talented. This was not someone who just kind of was like brush stroking it. Mm. He's talented. And so I'm just a curious, nosy person and I'll talk to anybody. And so I walked up and said, hey, man, what's going on? And he was like, oh, in his little accent, oh, nothing much. Uh, just doing my thing, you know. And I said, well, what you got here? Wow, that's a, uh, is that a chessboard? He's like, yeah, it's a chessboard. But when you talk to him, he is not a man of many words, or he was not with me. Right. So you had to kind of pull him to say things. And he spoke kind of slower and just, you know, chill. I, I got the, I got the feeling that he was not going to say much. But if I prodded enough, he would talk to me a little bit, you know, definitely not a talker, though. But anyway, so he was painting and and the painting looked like, if you you know, a square canvas and it was a uh, chessboard, but the chessboard was real wavy. Okay, so it was like a moving wavy chessboard and there were pawns and pieces all over it laying about. And I thought, well, you know, obviously it must be symbolism or something, you know, and I was like, what's this about? He was like, oh, you play chess? I said, no, I don't play chess. He was like. It's a chessboard. And that was kind of it. Like he just kind of yeah. said, it's a chessboard. And so I was like, okay. So I watched him paint a little bit more. And um, I probably should have walked off at that point, but now I'm invested and you're right. not saying anything to me. So I said, well, tell me about it. Like, why is it wavy? And he's like, how old are you? And I said, I'm 23, you know? And he's like, oh, okay. Um, well, you don't know, and I'm ad-libbing here, but you don't know much about life probably at 23, do you? Uh. 
And I'm like, I know enough. I mean, right. you know, what could it be? It's freaking chessboard. Like, right. and he's like, yep. Do you play? But you don't play chess. I said no. And he's like, well, these are called pawns. And he pointed at it. And he continued to paint. And I said, okay. And he said, do you know what a pawn is? And I said, I mean, a chess piece. And he's like, nope. He said, we're all pawns in a big game. And he said, you have to recognize when you're a pawn. And I was like, okay. And so I looked at it and I'm like, all right, obviously he's saying life's, you know, there's a big game to it. But if you looked at the pawn, at the pieces, they had like faces on them. It wasn't a horse or a whatever. They had faces on them. And I said, well, who are, who are you painting this? Who, who are you painting on this? And he just shook his head. Like, no, right, I'm gonna tell you. he's not telling me anything, you know? And I was like, all right. And um, he said, just no the pieces will always fall, something along those lines. And I was like, all right, you know, and I looked at it and I just watched him paint for a little while more. And I said, all right, bud, well, I'll see you later. Bud, I'm talking to the freaking murderer for the cartel. Okay, bud, catch you on the flip. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I was like, all right, all right, buddy, you know, and I just kind of walked off from there. Now, fast forward, this is kind of interesting. Fast forward to today, and I'm talking about uh, two months ago, all right? I'm at school. I'm a school teacher for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and I go to see a friend of mine and she is an art teacher and she's, you know, real artsy and into all of the arts and shout out to art teachers. All I appreciate right, art. Right, right. Okay. Um, but we were talking, I said, Hey, we should team up. We should do like a, um, project where maybe y'all could, you know, do artistic interpretations of crime scenes or something. I don't know. And, right. you know, we can make a cool little class out of it. And she's like, Oh, that's really cool. Actually, when I was in my art history class and I thought, Oh God, you know, mm-hmm. here we go. And the words that came out of her mouth next, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. She said, yeah, did you know that there's actually, a um, they use, um, you know, paintings and things as uh, like commerce in prison. And I was like, well, not really, you know, maybe if they're trying to get money off of somebody else, a painting for a friend. Okay, you know, we're kind of chit-chatting. She's like, no, when I was in art history class, my teacher put this painting up on the wall and we learned all about it. And girl, it was an inmate at Angola that painted this uh-huh. painting, okay? And I was like, cool, well, what was it? And she said, oh, it's a chessboard. It's, oh, it's this wavy chessboard. Y'all no about way, fell out. Right? I about fell out. Well, I said, Hold up, who painted it? She's like, oh, I don't know. Some guy, I said, I know who painted that. And what it was, was it all started with that painting, but using that painting, that teacher did something to explain how commerce went from a painting all the way down to a pack of cigarettes, basically, Mm -hmm. and how it could all be exchanged. But they went through the history of the artwork, but she didn't even know who painted it. I stood there while he painted that. I saw it with my own two eyes. My own two eyes, as Woody would say. Saw it with my own two eyes and was two eyes. eyes. (laughs) Y'all dumbfounded. So there's teaching about this painting in art history classes now. Yes. She went to Southeastern. So, hey, if you go to Southeastern and you, hey, I'm taking over your show real quick, Woody and Jim. (laughs) If you go to Southeastern and you take a art history class and they bring up that wavy chessboard painting, your girl was there. That's saw crazy. it happen as That's it was crazy. being painted. You ought to go trying to buy it. Kelly was, couldn't remember if it was Emilio or whatever, but the I just looked up that artboard or tried to look up Wavy artboard and, and Barry Seal's uh, murderer. And he actually, she was correct, he died in Angola, but um, they have a picture of him, and they are saying his name is... Belez, no, Miguel Belez, V-E-L-E-Z, and Kelly, that's him, right? Yeah, that's him. I'm looking at the picture. And so let me read you this article from the WFB, and it's from August 31 of 2015. 
It says corrections officials said drug cartel hitman Miguel Velez, who was convicted of killing drug smuggler Barry Seal in 1986, has died while serving a sentence at Angola State Penitentiary. Pamela Bohr with the State Corrections Office said Velez had been in hospice for some time and passed away on August 25th. Velez was convicted in 1987 of killing Seal along with Luis, Luis Carlos Quintero Cruz, who was the actual shooter, and Bernardo Antonio Vasquez. Seal, who was from Baton Rouge and smuggled drugs as part of a DEA sting operation, was gunned down while working community service in the city. Seal's story has been the focus of several documentaries and movies over the years, and Tom Cruise is set to play him in an upcoming bioptic title, Mina. M-E-N-A-L. After the Arkansas town where Seal flew in much of the drugs he smuggled into the U.S., a Netflix original series titled Narcos, which features the meddling cartel Kingpin Pablo Escobar, whom Seal informed on premiere last Friday. So pretty cool. That, uh, I mean, you, yeah, his shit being taught is really crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, and you got to remember, too, like – this got put together in my head backwards. So yeah, like yeah, when yeah. the names are hard to keep up with, and you got all those. Shit, inmates. I, I don't do, even do names, but like, I will I never, your name. I will never forget that painting and, and him doing that. Um, and ahead. that is a cool story. And my question would be, because I know how you are when you walked off from him and you were intrigued, did, were you like, I wonder what this dude did. Yes, <laughs> I knew absolutely. It. I knew okay. it. Absolutely. hundred percent. So, so another, I mentioned it to someone else, and I can't remember who it was, but they told me, you know, that's a hitman for the cartel. And I think I almost laughed at it, like, like almost like, whatever, I'm not just standing there with a cartel hitman painting. Well, honey, yes, I will butter my butt and call me a biscuit, because I sure as hell was standing <laughs> right there. Absolutely. And, and y'all, they call it a machine gun slaying on another uh, article. And they talk about these guys that did it. And Cecile, 43, was hit by a burst of machine gun fire as he sat in his car outside the Salvation Army halfway house in Baton Rouge on February 19, 1986. So they were stalking him for them to find him. Yeah. They knew where he was. And and that was a big uproar because they they should have had him in witness protection. Yeah, I said a prosecution witness said the Colombian-based smuggling ring, which has been blamed for importing tons of cocaine into the United States, had placed a half a million dollar contract on Seal's life. Mm-hmm. Seal, who was serving a probated sentence at the halfway house on drug and currency charges, had refused to enter the federal witness protection program. A flamboyant man once described as the nation's youngest airline pilot. He scorned the witness program because it would have subdued his lifestyle. Mm. Wow. I wonder, though, if that wasn't a suicide mission almost. Did you well, really not think they were coming for they you? Said, um, they said the shooters were arrested about two days after SEALs killing in Louisiana while Velez was caught in Mississippi trying to reach an Alabama in a taxi. Now, how many taxis do you think they got in Mississippi? Yeah. I would have um, expected more of a getaway from the cartel. Well, this says actually says Cantero Cruz was described as trigger man, Velez as the getaway driver, and Vasquez as the organizer, organizer who obtained weapons, cars, and lodging. A fourth man, Jose Campo, is to be tried later. 125 witnesses identified Cantero Cruz as the one who pulled the trigger. Now, 
How the fuck do you think they got 125? It must have been broad daylight. Yeah. Must have been everybody at the Salvation Army. Yeah, and, yeah, and, 100... and, and it was four o'clock in the afternoon, and the Salvation yeah. Army is right in front right. of Florida Boulevard. And another said he saw Velez drive the getaway car, and several said Vasquez took care of the logistics of the mission. That's well, crazy. that's 125 people with balls the size of bowling balls. Yeah, yeah. 125 people stood up against the yeah. cartel. Give right. me a break. Right. I didn't wow. see nothing, officer. Me, look. I heard something sound like firecrackers, and I just ducked my head. Mm-hmm. That's about them. Nothing happened. Now, I think. Okay, I don't think. I want to tell you something else, but it doesn't have to do with him. But can I tell you anyway? It's about sure. it's about painting. This is actually really funny. I'm on okay, so there I am again at Camp D, right? And if you came to the live, remember the visuals, right? That y'all right. put up or everything. Right. This is in that exact same hallway. This exact same hallway, but when you come down that hallway on the right-hand side, you would have seen a lieutenant's office, mm-hmm. okay, right there. So you'll know if you look at it. Um, an inmate got written up, okay, and this inmate looked – they called him Scooby. I remember that now. They called him Scooby, okay, and it's because he had the red hair like the guy on Scooby-Doo. Oh, uh, yeah, Shaggy. Sh- no, that's what they called him, Shaggy. Yeah. Okay, you ready? They called him Shaggy. All right, now – he had red hair, was kind of, you know, confuzzled and kind of whatever, but he was a great painter, okay? And so they had hired him to come into the lieutenant. I get so tickled by this. I thought it was the funniest damn thing. They hired him to come in and paint a mural on the back wall of the lieutenant's office. And old Shaggy, y'all, was was an old, just old dude, you know, nothing much. Well, one day I walk in there and there's a bunch of ranks standing there doing something. I'm like, well, what the hell y'all doing, you know? And one of them looked at me. He's like, well, he had to swing Shaggy. Oh. I said, why? What did he do? And they said, well, look at the wall. You tell me what he did. He put something secret look- <laughs> So I'm looking at the painting, and I'm like, what? And then one of them points. It was a it was a swamp scene, okay, like a big wetland scene. Right. And on the, all the teeny tiny little turtles that were in the water, it was his face. He had painted oh, his no, own face did. on the turtles. Oh, that's and then, funny as fuck. It was, Freaking Only angle, right? <laughs> That's the F you to the man. Yeah, uh, he had his little red hair. I wonder hair. how long it took him to realize that. Somebody was probably sitting there drinking a coffee one day and zoned down and was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Why is that Shaggy's that face on a look turtle? At, look at that turtle. Look at that other turtle. Shaggy. Shaggy everywhere. Damn it, Shaggy. Shaggy smiling at Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me, and, but they got him. You know what? When they got him, uh, I bet you had a lot of days before they swung him that he just, every time he walked in there, he'd secret like, ah, oh, motherfuckers mm-hmm. got you. But what a cool thing. So if you, if you can find that online Nothing. or if yeah, anybody, yeah. you know. I, I'm definitely going to look it up. I think I it's cool. I want to see it. The, um, that's crazy. Speaking of artwork, though, I don't mean to take a turn here, mm-hmm. but artwork in prison is a pretty crazy thing, but they're not allowed to make money off of their name and their crime. Right. And if you know the Jodi Arias oh. case. Yes, I do. Right? She was an artist, and there was a big funky stink about that because she was doing paintings and wanting to sell them. Right. And you can, as you can imagine, but, but Travis Alexander's family. Let's flip it around. Clifford Etienne, if y'all. Boxer. Right? Who fought Mike Tyson. Yes, got his uh, knocked out. But the only reason he got knocked out. Took now, I had him on the cell block at uh, DCI, him and, and a a guy from Livingston Parish, and he was the uh, inter-prison boxing champion. They, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. about boxing teams, yeah. they go and fight other prisons. And it's a big fucking deal, right? Mm-hmm. He was the champion, and he his uh, case got overturned on appeal, so he got out and became a professional boxer. And 
he went to fight Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson hit him, not bit him. Uh, no holy field. He hit him in the <laughs> ear and busted his eardrum. And if you watch that fight, his equilibrium was off, and, mm, and yeah. Tyson ended up knocking him out. But he gets out. I gets out. Yeah, he gets out and, and reaches pinnacle of his career. He's beating mm-hmm. everybody's ass. For Tyson busted his drum, mm-hmm. the eardrum, and then he got back on dope in downtown Baton Rouge off of Thomas Delphit. Um, he got into a fight. With, he was doing an armed robbery. Uh, oh, just and, an armed robbery. And, just and, you know. and uh, or it, it was robbing a store. Mm-hmm. The cops got there. He got into a fight with the cops. He took one of the cops' guns and went to kill him in the fucking gun jam. Oh. And and wow. so it was attempted murder on police officer in the gun jam, and so he, he gets goes back to he goes to Angola this time, right? Mm-hmm. So now somebody told me this. One of the lifers told me this last year. He he's like a renowned artist, right? Uh, uh, but he does all the the, the scenes of, of New Orleans, like uh, the Quarter and, mm-hmm. and and Second Lines and stuff like that. Of course, he sells them all at the rodeo. Yeah, and and so they're he's not allowed to make uh, money off his crime. Right, but they're allowed. I mean, they some of their arts and shit are just phenomenal. I had uh, yeah. my mama's, and my mom was an attorney also, and I had her uh, an attorney at law plaque made by in, you know, yeah. inmates, and it's just phenomenal art. Well, uh, and they have. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I've got a, a painting actually in my house that is a swamp scene. Uh, Absolutely beautiful. It's like the sun rising in the back of it. And I got it from a prisoner at the Angola Radio. And wow. I negotiated him down. Right. There you go. You, you told that murderer what was up. I told right. him, I'm going to give you $52. <laughs> and you can take it or you can leave it. And yep. he said, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, yeah. you want to go creeper level, though, like 1,000? So if you're, if y'all, okay, I'm about to do a free plug for the Death Museum in New Orleans. Yeah, All right. If you live so. close to us, go to that Death Museum in New Orleans. Y'all, they've got. When I say art, it's not paintings. They have a hair tarantula from Charles Manson. His hair tarantula. Oh, speaking of him and art, you know, he was a big artist. He would give his shit away. You do enough acid, anybody would be an artist. Do you know who else was uh, an accomplished artist (laughs) or in his own mind? Adolf Hitler. That's how he started out as a painter in between World War I and World War II. He was a starving painter in Austria. All right. Well, I'm going to go even further left on the Hitler thing. Do you know that there is somewhere, I can't quote it, but he is credited with fluoride. You do? I'm sorry. I know everything about Hitler. What do you know? He was credited with with discovering fluoride. For for teeth and stuff. Yeah, like in toothpaste. That. I can assure you that what that wasn't his intentional purpose, no. his, his original purpose. No. But I mean, he's also credible, you know, um, having prisoners uh, uh, and just, you know, 10, Crazy 20, stuff. 30 gallons of water till they exploded because they, they their pilots kept getting shot down over the English Channel and they didn't die from being shot down. They they. Uh, died from ingesting too much water. So he was, he was mm. using Nazi concentration camp prisoners, had his doctors doing all kinds of yeah. crazy testing on ways to help his pilots get back to land. Yeah. Well, dad gummit. What do you know is everything? I know. Walking all I know is toothpaste. And- back, the, the, <laughs> the Angola thing, that's a real deal. Like uh, even, you know, all these people want to write these fucking serial killers and shit and these murderers and 
marry them and all that. But you're right. They passed that law. Uh, I think it was in the 80s because Charles Manson was one of them. They, they have a yeah. selling and shit. And, and people, Ted Bundy, they, they, they wanted a, a poem from him or a signature or whatever, right. a lock of hair. And they're like, fuck you, you can't And do Dahmer, that. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, what a special monster that dude was. Dude. Right? Mm-hmm. No thanks. I don't. I don't want anything that that dude's got. <laughs> right. Crazy. But hey, what a bunch of wasted talent too. Like yeah. what an absolute waste yeah. of talent. If you could see some of the things that come out of Angola, yeah. it's like what in the world, dude? If you would have just applied yourself. Right. Well, even even the people like the painters, like talking about talk, talking about the murals. Now, yeah. I, I we've never talked about this. Uh, um, throughout the prisons, they have murals painted. They mm-hmm. have things painted on the walls and the bullpens and. Different areas. And the water and tower. Shit. Remember yep, yep, it had yep. the huge Indian oh, thing? Hey, I, I'm talking about fucking Picasso shit. And or like Etienne, instead of trying to kill that cop uh, with his own weapon, he could have been a renowned artist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I guess when you get locked up and you can't, well, I'm sure they can't get dope, but you can't get all, live the lifestyle you used to live, then yeah, the talent's going to like they like say, if you go blind, your hearing gets better. Right. Yeah. The don't teacher. break the law. Yeah. And mm-hmm. don't bring dope for the cartel from point A to B. It's super yeah. simple. Yeah. Sooner or later, that's just not going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking you might. Get hey, there's caught. a there's a um there's a really good documentary out there. It's kind of old, but it's called uh, Plato Plomo Silver or Lead. And if you go watch that, it um. I met the producer of that. Have I told this story to y'all before? Mm-mm. I met the producer of that film at a conference I went to, and he literally went in with the cartel in Mexico. Now, they all have masks and right. stuff like that on, and they really, like, talk about what's, what the deal is and why it's no joke. Now, I don't speak Spanish, so I apologize if you speak Spanish. I don't I don't probably pronounce it right. But the whole plato plomo is silver or lead. And basically, once you are in with the cartel, or even if you don't want to be, right, you either take silver, which is their money, or lead, which or is the bullet in the head. The yeah. So he was screwed from the get-go. The yeah. second he said okay, yeah, yeah, it was done. Took that money to the money took him. Yeah. Oh, so it was a million dollars if they brought him back alive. Half a million dollars if they killed him for bear sales. I'm good with the half a mil. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot That's of money. It. I'm just kidding. Like, I don't. I wouldn't kill anybody. For I wouldn't kill anybody million. for half a million. Half a million and one dollar there. Hey, Ian Woody, watch yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm actually a teacher. I'm poor, so <laughs> yeah. I'm a podcaster. I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us living the ju- the dream. Living the dream. This couldn't happen. This could not happen twice if. I'm telling you, I, I should have bought a lotto ticket. All right. Now, this is, I wasn't working there now. Okay. I'd left already. Right. I became a teacher. And so I was going to go back. I had talked up this Angola trip. Man, we were so excited. Okay. So I load up the kids. We're in our little bus. And if any one of my students are listening, they can vouch for this from right. years ago. And we go riding along. And I'm so excited. And I'm telling stories. And right. this is going to be so much fun. And, um, and I had promised everybody and the parents, look, it's going to be fine. We're not going to take the kids anywhere where they'll be in danger, blah, 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 blah. Y'all, but it's still prison, okay? Right, so right. there's no guarantees. So we get there. We're going through. We're having a good old time. And we, you know, we do the tour. And then we get back to death row, right, way in the back by the training camp. And we get off the bus, and we're going to walk into death row, kind of like the end, big all, all right. see all, do all. And they were going to go see, uh, not death row, the, the death house, though, right? right? right. And um. 
Next thing you know, I see lights and sirens. I'm talking 90 to freaking nothing flying towards our bus. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, God. oh no, this is not good. This is not good at all. And so I'm like, get in the death house, get in the death you know, house. Yeah. We're not missing this. I've talked it up yeah. too much. I don't care what happens. But anyway, we didn't get through the door, maybe five kids. And they pull up and they're like, y'all load up in the bus. You got to go. I'm like, wait, can we know what? Get on the bus. You got to go. And I'm like, I want to know why. At least, yeah. you know. So I have the kid. You should have seen parents like faces, right? Just drop. Right. And uh, so I'm like, just get on the bus. It's fine. They might have, you know, an electrical problem. I don't know. <laughs> get on the bus. Get on the bus. Get on the bus. They escort us. <laughs> a lot us. of things electrical yeah, yeah. I'm just making some up, right? So we get on the bus and we're rolling. They're like, we will escort you to the front. You will not go to the museum. You can leave. Thank you. Have a nice day. Right. So we get to the front and um, armed officers get on my bus. And I've got all of these kids looking at me and all of these parents like, wide-eyed and I'm literally I'm like I don't know so I just stood up turned around and said everybody get in your seats do not move don't stand up you may not go to the bathroom they're coming on the bus don't move and everybody just still they come on and they walk down our bus and back our bus and they're like you can go so they're still not telling us what's going on so we start making it back down the what 20 mile road Mm -hmm. we make it a mile they stop us again armed people get back on the bus Come walk in. And I want you to imagine he's got like a AR, right, a, right. you know, big gun. Anyway, he walks down and he comes back. And as he's walking backwards, uh, sorry, he walks down and he passes one of my parents and he stops and he backs up and he, the parent is standing right next to the kid. Okay. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, please no. And he says, come with me. And I was like, oh. God, I've never lost a parent yet. Now I'm going to lose a parent on my field trip. So he steals my parent. Little boy's looking at me, and I'm like, bro, I don't know, but we ain't going to question it. Like, your daddy might have to just stay at Angola. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm going home. He might have been an escapee from 20 years ago. We sat there in utter silence for about 15 minutes. And he's like, you know, just staring at me. I'm like, bro, I don't know. What did your dad do? (laughs) Uh, And they come back and they bring him back on the bus. And he's just like, holy crap. And he goes and he sits down. And someone came up to me and said, "Um, look, if y'all see this guy and they had the wanted put, they had an escape while we were there. Right. Okay. And they thought that my parent looked like the guy. Wow. And so they took him, right, to make sure it wasn't him. And then they gave him back. Yeah. And, you know, Uh stupid me. I'm trying to just, like, break the silence. I'm like, he's back. You know, nobody thinks it's funny but me, you know. And um, they ended up finding him two days later. He had escaped. I have the picture, too, of when they found him. But he had just walked off. Basically, he was a road walker. And he had walked off and um, just wanted to leave. He made it out to where, like, the elementary school was. And they found him laying down in a ditch two days later. Um, All right. So that's bad, right? That's right. How do you get your next school trip approved? Oh, are you ready? Yeah. Wait, are you ready? Yeah, I am. So the next year, it's approved. We're going to go back to Angola. And I'm like, new year, new me, uh, right? Okay. Load up the bus, take it to Angola. We make it to the same spot. And they make us leave the next year. Really? Because guess what they did have? What? They had an electrical problem. Oh, it literally was, was an electrical, electrical problem. problem. And they made us leave because they were, you know, whatever. But I said... Two years in a row, I've had a field trip. That's crazy. Stopped at the prison. But We're not know, taking our field trip with Kelly. No. <laughs> Kelly, She's you're bad luck. Bad luck. Bad. My husband says I'm bad luck at the gambling table, so I'm not allowed <laughs> yeah. to stand next to him. So the the electrical in their defense, uh, yeah, anything out of the ordinary 
yeah. is a diversion. It could be a diversion for an escape or something. So, and let's go back to the death house real quick. Tell them, uh, see y'all, there's a difference between the death house and death row. The death house is where they use the move the convict usually 24 hours or maybe yeah, two, two days or whatever it is. It's a short time, and they move them to the death cell, and the convict is watched 24 hours a day. Uh, someone sitting in front of their cell because they want to make sure you don't kill yourself. We get to kill you. Right. Before the turn. state gets to kill you. So that's yeah. totally separate than death row. Right. So death row is actually a whole different building. Mm-hmm. It's behind it. And death row is probably what people think regular prison looks like, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because when right. you walk up to death row, you're seeing lots of wire. You're seeing lots of gates like double the gates. I mean, I think you have to go through like four or five right. gates before you even get in right. to death row. And uh, I'll tell you one thing that I remember too, is I got to take students on death row one time. It was a small group. And so we got to go back there. I got to take them literally, you know, down, which is really cool. Right. But um, I remember on our way back out, this is when Derek Todd Lee was still alive, the serial killer, banner serial killer. And um, he was meeting with his attorney Right then, and he turned around and just locked eyes with me again. I was like, "This wow. dude here, man, he's he needs Out to get there. somewhere." Yeah, he went hell. Yeah, from jail. Yeah. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to KJ for she came to both lives yeah, for Bloody Angola. Totally and, unselfishly, by uh, the way. Her and her husband, yeah, Blakester KJ <laughs> got up at the end of our presentations when she was introduced, and she went off and only unspeakable. Style and, and a good, I mean, whatever was, came to mind, you could tell this shit wasn't rehearsed. It was just like, blah, blah, blah. if but y'all was, have ever been to a let's just say a very soulful, soulful church yeah. and they're preaching the gospel and all the ladies are up and they're amen and I can right. feel it, sister. Spirit, yeah. That was the whole place, right? When right. she got up and she started spitting on that microphone. Well, um, and I'll tell you what I said, too, if you're curious, and I mean every damn word of it, so yeah. just so you can know, but don't get jaded by all these people mm-hmm. in the, you know, you see all these, oh, here I go, let it out. But Let it out. Wake me you up. Know, you know, all these people that, that write these inmates, right, or want to marry them and all that, of course you're getting the good side right. of them. And I wanted to show that to my kids when I took them on a, on a field trip there. And so they brought us into the museum, right, and the inmate got up and he talked about his life and this, that, and the other. And then, oh, but he's getting out real soon. And you could just see the kids' eyes, like, glaze over like puppy dogs and the sad story of this man locked up. And that's when I was like, time out. Time out. Uh, did you reach out and apologize? How long you been down? And he told me, you know, 20-something years or whatever, 30 years. I said, well, have you apologized to your victim yet? Like, have you apologized to your victim yet? And I could feel the kids cringe. Like, no, you didn't. But yes, I did. Yeah. Because that's what we need more of. Right. Yes, I did. Have you apologized to your victim? Because what I know that the kids don't know, and a lot of people don't know, is we do have victim offender dialogue programs. Didn't he ask you, say, and then he what, said, what are you? He said, who are you? Are you an attorney? Lawyer? Yeah. I said, no, I'm a pissed off mama right? because you're over here playing these games trying to make people feel sorry for you. And there's someone dead because of you. Right, right. So I'm glad you think you're going home real soon. It's kind of hard to apologize as victim is warm bait, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so just for what it's worth, sure, you're going to find a lot of people in prison that are good, nice, kind to your face. But don't ever forget they didn't get there for missing church. Right. All right. KJ, we love you. Can't wait to We love you, KJ. Or work. With you, can't wait to be a guest on Unspeakable. Yep, 
And um, thank you, thank you. Oh, back to the lies real quick, y'all. When, when's this going to drop? Uh, this will drop tomorrow. Okay, back to the lies real quick, y'all. I'm going to throw this out there. I know this is bloody Angola, not real life real crime, but Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. We have the raffle going on, and the, the big winners are going to be drawn Saturday night at the Crew Bash, February 4th, downtown at the Basin, um, at the 4th Annual Crew Bash. But I asked for more do- donations for the Friday night at, at the VIP event, which is um, February 3rd, downtown at the Basin also. And if you just want to come Friday night event, there's a ticket price for that also. But we've had an overwhelming response, everything from – a Traeger barbecue grill to a diamond necklace and earrings to uh, Apple watches uh, uh, and like nine hundred dollars yeah. just for an Apple. I mean, y'all legit. Get it if you don't want to buy a raffle ticket for all the big ass prizes we're giving away on Saturday night. If you do, that's fifteen dollars for one, ten dollars for a book of a hundred, and um, Friday night I'm auctioning that shit off. We're gonna have some that where you. What do you call it? Silent auction dip, but the big items, I'm going to auction them off on stage. All the proceeds. Oh, a live go. auction? Yeah. So you can bid it? Hell yeah. Hey. You're going to be there. Yeah. All right. So the, I'm going to spend some money too. Right. Bro. I love me an auction. The only <laughs> better is getting to be auctioneer. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's all about raising the money. And you look, I know times are hard. And last year we raised a shit ton of money for Lopa. Uh, I mean, when eggs cost nine dollars a carton, I get that everything's gone up. But this is this money goes to a nonprofit that saves lives, and you know the fourth annual crew bash, VIP tickets. Um, if you want to go both nights, third and fourth. Uh, otherwise, the you know the real life real crime fourth annual crew bash is Saturday night, where I'm going to do a live podcast, uh, adult inter- crowd interactive podcast. Adult only. Adult only. Isn't that the night of Spanish Town? It's the that's the night of the Same night. ball. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I just want everyone to know that I'm coming and I'm a dress look like a hooker because of our theme, but I don't <laughs> normally dress like that. That's right. And and, and you know <laughs> don't you, lie. you got your VIP. You dress like period, that all the time. Lie. So no. but anyway, if y'all Flamingos. check check it out on social media. Uh you don't have to be present to win for the big drawings for Saturday night. Um if you do have to be present, win all the cool shit. And if you want to continue to donate between now and the, the Friday auction, please do the, uh, contact me or, or Cindy Overton uh, um, through any of your ways of social media. So, sorry to pl- make that plug, but no, no. Lopa's important. Hey, Lopa, Jim, Jim, you've done it. I'm a donor. Year. And yeah, I'm, right. You're, you're, I'm a donor this year. Yeah, you're a uh, donor for the uh, $750 value for podcast right. and $250 and, in advertising. Right, right, right. Ooh, so I'm going to get that. That's going to be drawn on Saturday night, <laughs> along with everything else, uh, all the big ones, yeah. in which I did a, an episode on that. But I'm going to do one. Um, we'll try to get out on Tuesday for just about Friday night of the event and the crew bash and, and uh, buy your raffle tickets, people. It helps Lopa. Yeah. I mean, it, the shit, the amount of can, time we look, spend we in have this, some it, here. It costs, yeah. Okay. We have some here. So if anybody's listening local to the Livingston Parish area, we have about 20 raffle tickets here at the studio. Just come on by. If you see the big yellow H2 Hummer out there, that means I'm in here. That's right. Just come knock on the door and I'll be glad and to see you. We appreciate all your support for that. I know Lopa does. And look, yeah. Tuesday's episode is going to be fire, y'all. We just got a huge donation last night. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, uh, but it's, it is 
fucking huge. And that is going to go. We're going to announce it on Tuesday. Whoever buys the most raffle tickets for Saturday night shit is going to win this fantastic prize. It is a fantastic prize. But we're not telling you. We're not telling you. Just yet. Now, um, and we're all... All of us are organ donors in this room right, right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we love Lopa. We're not just talking out the other side of our face. Right, and right. We well, love hey, even the, everybody the, involved. Even the horrible case, LSU, yep, the lady she was, was a raped. Donor. And, and then got killed, and she's a donor. I think three of her organs went. I know. It was her heart, and I think it was her kidneys, yeah, oh, yeah, liver. Uh, yeah. A couple, a couple items went, and. Anyway, what a gift that. to the people prayers who receive it. Her family. Right. Her tragedy has become someone else's second chance at life. Right. Amen. Right. Love you, Lopa. All right. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we're your host of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison with Kelly Jennings. Peace. Peace. Thank y'all. Bloody Angola is an Envision podcast production in partnership with Workhouse Connect. Music produced and composed by Alfie DeRuin in Studio 433 with vocals by Thomas Kane. Created and hosted by Jim Chapman and Woody Overton. Just ask the Hill String Gang, Rango.